Hi, I'm Zora Chase, and you're listening to Small to Scaled, the podcast that explores how accomplished business leaders went from vision to venture. In these conversations, you'll hear about their experiences and take away some practical wisdom that might help your business scale to whatever size fits. Hey, everybody. You are going to love today's conversation with Natasha Miller. She heads up Entire Productions. It's the go-to event and entertainment company in San Francisco, and it's been on the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing companies in America for three years in a row. She is a hyphenate entrepreneur who began her career in entertainment as a celebrated jazz artist with seven records released on her label, Poignant Records. When she founded Entire Productions, she was still performing as a single mother, and she managed to become a badass in the competitive world and build a multi-million dollar company. It's pretty amazing. This is a great topic for our show. Natasha, welcome to the show today. Hey, thank you, Zora. It's great to be on. It's a good day. It is a good day. 2 2 um, This will not be airing on that day, but everybody should know. It's, it's of note. note. <laughs> it's of note. Um, so listen, the title of your book, you have a book coming out, I understand, and the title is called Relentless from homeless to achieving an entrepreneur dream. So since we always start with a backstory, I was hoping you could kind of tell us about what you mean by homeless and how you overcame that situation. It sounds like a great story. Yes. Do you know, I've been thinking about that subtitle and, and how it is interpreted by other people. And so I grew up in a very challenging family. A lot of people did. So not, you know, saying that I'm all that special, but I was threatened by my mother, my entire life, almost daily, if not verbally, then physically or emotionally or mentally, she threatened to kill me. She'd rather have me dead and be in jail than have to be around me. So at 16, she made that threat again, but this time she's holding a butcher knife and it's Christmas day. So I finally called 911 and the police came in because I wasn't gushing with blood or I didn't have broken bones in the mid eighties, they couldn't do anything. So they gave my dad a card that said, if you fear for her safety, you can bring her to this youth homeless shelter. So yes, I lived in a homeless shelter for a while, then uh, was going to possibly be put into foster care. And I said, no way to that. And you're th- probably thinking, how can you say no way to that? But I, f- I realized I was deemed an abandoned youth by the state of Iowa and was able to be emancipated basically. So my story is, in my opinion, worse than being homeless mm-hmm. because it was something you know, homelessness has so many different reasons and, and, you know, ways to, to live in that, in that way, but being abandoned by your family, but I just couldn't put my heart into putting that into the subtitle. I think that was just too much. So that's, that's the, that's the opening of my lines. <laughs> that is, um, you know, because abandonment and that just, that's where you're, where you develop a sense of stability and trust um, as sort of your backbone of what you're going to do the rest of your life. So um, where you come from is um, quite extraordinary. 
Honestly, like, you know, it's a, it's a handicap that most of us don't even fathom. Um, Yes. Yes. All of that. Correct. And I love where I've landed. I still have far to go. I have so many things to work on and so many things to iron out, but gosh, if I were completely, you know, formed, how boring would the rest of my life be? Right. So tell me, did you have any mentors along the way? Like, how did you pull yourself from that situation? I did have mentors. And at the time, what I really wanted and what I was looking for was someone to save me, to pluck me out of my home. If I had my ways, I would have a loving mother and a loving family and go to a performing arts high school, (laughs) like fame. Okay. So that was the dream. What I didn't realize along the way is that I actually did have people that were looking out for me. Did they come in and swoop in and completely save me? No, but I had this incredible conductor named Diane Pope, and she helped me by nudging me along the way in youth symphony, encouraging me. But not only that, she introduced me to Dr. Beale, a violin professor at Drake University. So I'm a junior high school student being plucked out of, you know, a hundred kids and being served up to this wonderful opportunity. Now, did I wish that she took me out of my home and I could live with her? Yes. But did, what did she do for me? She really just helped catapult me. And so did Dr. Beale. And so did, and most of the people, the mentors and advisors along my way as a young person had to do with music. That was my life. That was my saving grace. Later in years, of course, I had therapists, which I highly suggest. Um, It's a luxury and a necessity for just being human, honestly. But um, those people I considered to be great advisors and then business mentors. And, you know, as I got older, the mentorship turned into different things. So you started a business in the year 2000 when you were a musician and you were a single mother. And um, uh, did you have vision? I mean, you've grown it tremendously. I've I've checked it all out. You've you're you're doing events for some of the largest companies in the world um, and you're growing at about 65 percent year over year, like consistently. Um, how what what do you attribute that to? Like how how what systems do you have in place that, that oh, yeah, help that happen? But, yeah. The answer to your question is in 2000, I didn't have a vision to scale and grow entire productions to be a profitable multimillion dollar business. It wasn't in my lens. It's not something that I could have ever fathomed. My goal back then was to be a performance artist and entire productions was a lifestyle business to support me in that endeavor. What happened was in 2009, I rebranded and relaunched. Then in 2013, when my school and she didn't need my attention as much, I took a class at, uh, through the Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small businesses and also created these systems and processes that I did not create in order to scale and grow the business, but it, it allowed me to do that when I was ready. Again, it was all organic and I didn't, I wasn't doing this because I wanted to scale and grow. So we, to, to give you an example of how strong those systems and processes are, 
The year before COVID, we did 777 events in a year with two people in operations. Oh my goodness. That's insane. Insane. Absolutely (laughs) insane. So as soon as as I started getting more knowledge in how to really lay down a foundation, how to really run a well-oiled business, Mm -hmm. that's when my revenue started shooting up 65% year over year. And it's been an amazing ride. It's been so much fun mm-hmm. and there's so much more to do. Yeah. So, so you opened yourself up to learning opportunities and absorbed as much as you can to make it worth your while. Mm-hmm. I love learning. I love, I love the fact that no matter how much learning and information experience I gain, that there's so much more out there. Um, again, I think I've mentioned this before, how boring would it be if you've arrived completely at 51 years old? No, 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 no. Learning can be exhausting at the same time. Oh, it's exhausting. (laughs) And success can be stressful. Mm. So I have found it was a surprise to me over the years that some successes had the similar pressure and somewhat negative effect as negative stress. So I've had to learn how to manage that. Yeah. Is it, is it example, would an example be a personal relationship or employees or no, no. Um, so the positive things. So if you're getting lots of attention, a lot of media, you're being splashed around, you know, in the New York times and it's just so overwhelming. And then the, the, request for your time and your energy and your expertise, it is elating. It's ego boosting, which also can get a little dizzying and, and wear you down. And especially for someone like me who didn't grow up with a lot of accolades, with a lot of support, it's jarring to my system. Still, my daughter will laugh and say, oh my gosh, mom, when are you going to realize you're successful? But I am still the little girl from 29th Street in my heart and soul. So when great things happen, I'm her Uh and I don't understand it. They all, it all comes together eventually, but that's the initial reaction. Right. I love that. That's a very honest answer. Thank you for sharing that with us. Very cool. Um, So does that translate into the core values of your company? Like how do you establish your core values and and how do, does your, uh, your orientation in life and your core values um, resonate with your employees? I think the core values of a business have to stem um, from the foundation of the founder CEO. Mm -hmm. And what we did was, you know, we had core values. I had core values. Was I able to identify them? Would I speak them out loud before I learned about how to really formulate that? No, but I looked at who I was and what was very important to me because entire productions is an extension of who I am. So excellence is one of our core values. It's not perfection. If everyone is striving for excellence, excellent communication, excellent systems and processes, excellent performances and outcomes, then our clients and our vendors and ourselves, we're going to have a good experience. 
right? Collaboration, not working in an asylo Mm -hmm. is so important. And it really expands the ability for, um, for the business to grow. If you're working in silos, guess what? You're stunting your growth. And, you know, we have five major um, core values, but I will speak to the last one um, that is important to me is be scrappy Mm -hmm. and being scrappy. You know, it's like living that bootstrap mentality, not taking someone's money and spending it with abandoned, right? Really making sure that they're getting incredible value, making sure that we're doing as much as we can in that scrappy way and not spending the money that we could be spending on bonuses, salaries for, you know, superfluous things. So. Right. It's such a good point. Um, uh, the, um, the scrappiness clients do see that and they appreciate that. Um, you know, I always say like, you want to treat your client's money as if it's your own. And I always say like, gosh, I do digital ads and, and marketing. And if it was my money, this is how I'd spend it, you know, and and be very conservative about that. Um, Yes, we want excellent. We want the best, but we also want to be reasonable and um, not extravagant unnecessarily. Right. If it's not going to result in the end experience that you want, then let's move that around to something else. Yeah. I also think scrappy reminds me of um, my favorite Marie Forleo quote, which is um, everything is figure outable. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes we're scraping it together and, uh, and we're learning as we're, we're, we're building as we're flying and we're learning as we go. And yep. um, because technologies change every other day, we can't know everything at all times. Every platform is different. And it's like, we can, we can find a, a way to do it and adjust what we're doing to make it work. Yes. Let's just be, make it doable. Right. right. Um, well, tell me about marketing your business. Like how did you get, how did you get entire productions on the map? How did you begin marketing it to a place where, where you were able to get these blue chip companies working with you? I think our exuberance for what we do and the joy of what we're doing, if you can imagine, this is my job. I send out talent and create event experiences for companies. And then the guests come in and have a great time, great food, great drink, great experience. Like there's nothing bad about any of that, right? So there's so much, and then we do these crazy things. So if you talk to me or any of my employees and we start describing an event, it's very colorful. It's very animated. And you've seen my website. You've seen what we do. It markets itself, right? We don't really have to devise angles and devise, you know, um, statements and and really think about how to we're bold in everything that we do and i suppose you know i am a i am a very outgoing introvert but if i were very shy i could possibly do what we're doing but the exuberance may not come out so when we have something happening and i describe it to a client in relationship to what they're doing with their event they're like they get sucked in right and they're like, yes, I'll take it. <laughs> what was there? What was the most? Okay, I know this is probably hard to, to to tell, but is there an event that stands out to you where you sat, where you looked at it, and maybe took a step back and said, 
oh my gosh, we pulled this together and it's, I'm in awe right now. So I have a couple funny ones that I probably shouldn't share as vividly on a public domain, but (laughs) you know, if you're up for that, we can talk about it. The one one that really stands out is we did this. Oh my God, it's a miracle. We did an event for Google uh, for 6,000 people and we designed 21 different rooms in a hotel for all these people to filter through. And the theme was out of this world. So it's kind of a space Mm -hmm. spaceship theme. We had uh, people in star Wars outfits doing a ballet, the stormtrooper ballet. Oh my gosh. We had a dance band. We had a DJ. We had walk around uh, characters. We had, I mean, like everything you could think of jam packed. And this is actually um, all on our website. So if you feel like looking at the imagery, it's there. It was so cool. That sounds interesting. Go ahead. It was a little bit of a miracle that it all (laughs) happened the way it was supposed to. So, okay. So here's what I'm, what I'm getting from you is that you actually started out with a, a, a high amounts of creativity as a as a character personality trait i would say right like you're a musician you have a creative flair um and then you learned the world of business because you found yourself running one mm-hmm. and you wanted excellence and and took it from there to scale it it's mm-hmm. really interesting to me Yes. The creativity, like, thankfully I live in the San Francisco Bay area and and on the West coast. So when a client comes to me and says, okay, we want to do something that's never been seen before. I'm like, well, good luck with that because, you know, but then they'll say, well, what do you think? And then I, my brain starts creating these crazy ideas and curating these experiences. And then the client says, yes. And that's when the magic happens. Now, if we were in the Midwest or even on the East Coast in some ways, some of these wacky, zany ideas would not go over so well. So I'm in a place, I'm in the right place for who I am. Where it's okay to be irreverent and Mm -hmm. out there and creative. Um, Do you have situations where as you're trying, as your business has scaled, you have clients where you have to hand off in an early stage, hand off the the creativity and the client relationship to someone else on your team. And oh yes, yeah, okay, one hundred percent. Today, I am the creative strategist and visionary of my company. I do not work day to day in my company. I probably work about fifteen percent of my time now on entire productions, but the team that I have is so creative and collaborative. And I get to pop in when they need me with my crazy ideas, but it still works. And uh, for that out of this world event for Google, not much of that. I'm just trying to think was really my planning and design. But what happened is you hire the people that can interpret for you. And then you let them free. You train them, you give them, you know, the roadmap, and then you set them free and trust them. Have they been with you for a while? Hiring is a huge issue with a lot of companies right now. So hard. Yeah. I was not very good at it at the beginning. I am getting so much better at it. 
Um, I have a ways to go. I think hiring and working with people and human beings is the hardest part of running a business. Right now, I have a team. Um, most of them have been with me through, you know, the couple COVID years, three years. Um, and that's a long time. And right now, I'm really focusing on retaining this talent, asking them, what do they need? Like, I don't want you to leave to go get more money or get a different position or get different experience. How can we do that here? Yeah, that is the smart so, way to go. I'm really yeah. focused on that. Good, good. Yeah, that's that is that is um money well spent if it goes towards people that are um making your business hum along, right? Yeah. Awesome. So tell me, what would you say is the I'm gonna ask you a big zinger of a question. What's the alt definition yes. of the ultimate success? Mm -hmm. I think I'm experiencing it now. And that is, I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want. I get to be as creative and not only think the creative, but make the creative happen. And I have to say that I don't have a lavish lifestyle. I have everything that I need and I want, but I'm not wearing Gucci and Versace, right? I'm not flying private planes to Ghana or Belize, right? That's just not who I am. I'm kind of a homebody, but I get to wake up every day and the entire day beside like washing dishes and taking out garbage, which is not very much fun for work. I get to do whatever I want to do. And that is the success that I measure. And I want to that con to continue th for the rest of my life. And if I'm able to do uh, various shades of that throughout my entire life. I'll be happy. I love that. We are, we, we align with our values, Natasha. I, I think, yeah, you know, because uh, you need a certain amount of money to make you comfortable and happy and love your life and lifestyle. But, you know, there's been numerous studies on, you know, money and happiness and yep. the more you have the, the private jets and everything else does not necessarily equate oh. to happy. You know, I have to tell you, I was thinking today, so I live in a large townhome and it's just me and I don't turn on the heat when it's cold and people are like, oh my God, that's you. And you're like homeless. And, you know, that's your mind back from back then. And today I was just thinking at breakfast. If I had $30 million cash in the bank, or actually I'd have it invested, but you know, would mm -hmm. I still, would I turn on the heat in the whole place? No, is it, it's not necessary. I'm right here. Does everything else have to be heated? No, I've got a little heater here. So it is my mindset. Yeah. And, and that I'm sure it translates and is appreciated by your clients when they see that you're not wasteful, right? Like right. It, it all, it all works for you. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so um, final question should, what can we do for you? Can we help you get, um, but where can we buy your book or oh, yes. how do we get in touch with you and all that good stuff? So the book is so important to me right now. And I think it's the biggest thing that I have created and put out in this world. And the website is officialnatashamiller.com. Um, a portion of the proceeds from the book sales and my speaking engagements are going to the Covenant House, which is a nonprofit homeless shelter for people 18 to 24. I'm going to be teaching people how to write, publish, 
and market their own books and become a bestseller, not only on just Amazon, but otherwise, and how to really use those accolades as an author and a best-selling author to increase their authority and do so much more with their talents and their skills and their creativity. Oh, that's amazing. There's a lot of untapped um, knowledge and talent that is uh, ready to be shared with the world. So um, that's amazing. So it's the official natashamiller.com website. We can purchase your books there. I'm sure you're going to be on Amazon too. I'm up there already. You're all there. And um, the website is actually official natashamiller.com. Okay. We can talk offline about why I don't have natashamiller.com. It's been a little bit of a sore subject, but it's made me had to be more creative and, and, you know, work around. So (laughs) probably a blessing in disguise somehow. I'll let you know when I figure out what that is. (laughs) Maybe there's an unofficial person out there and you have already like owned the moniker official. So that's (laughs) it. End of story. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for being with us on the podcast today. Um, And everybody, thank you for listening. The show is sponsored by Chasing Nectar Digital Solutions. That's my day job where we help businesses scale with digital marketing. And if you like what you heard, please do me a favor, subscribe and rate Small to Scaled or shoot me an email with suggestions if you didn't like it. (laughs) Zchase at chasingnectar.com. Keep your vision moving into your venture, everybody. Take care.